This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Okay, so as you know, we are continuing on a, um, a little walk through Luke. It's a, it's a slow meander, isn't it? <laughs> it's going on a long time. Anyway, we are in Luke 18, and we're at verse 35 to 43, and this is today's um, passage. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging, and hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, and he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Healing story. So this story is about a blind beggar who receives his miracle. And it appears, actually, in the books of Matthew and in Mark, as well as in Luke. And I've got a bit of geeky stuff for some of you, see, because there are some differences, and I think it's important sometimes to look at these. So in Matthew chapter 20, where you find this story about the beggar, um, it's actually two blind beggars that are described in Matthew 20. Um, And Jesus is described as leaving Jericho rather than drawing near to Jericho. So you might think it's a different, a different story. You might think that. Uh, Mark thinks that the story about beggars getting their sight back spread and all the beggar community kept coming out. This is why there are some differences. But we'll leave it at that. He's only joking. Um, in Mark chapter 10, where we read about it, we read about one blind beggar, but this time he's given a name, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus. But Jesus is also leaving Jericho rather than drawing near to Jericho in that account too. And here's the problem. People see these differences and go, well, it's not right then, is it? No, Bible doesn't agree with itself. But those accounts have only those differences that I just said. Two beggars, one beggar with a name, Jesus leaving Jericho rather than arriving at Jericho. That's the only differences, actually. Here's what they have in common. In all the, um, the accounts, the blind beggar or beggars call out to Jesus, and the crowd shush them and discourage them. So they call out again, and they declare Jesus to be son of David. 
I mean, what's the chances of that happening over and over again unless the blind beggar community pass this information around each other? You must call him son of David. <laughs> this is how it works. Uh, then Jesus asks them what they want. They say they want their sight restored and they receive their miracle immediately. I mean, what's the chances that every encounter with every blind beggar would be like that. So I think that because there are more details the same than are different, I'm sure it's the exact same situation recounted through three different witnesses who tell it a bit differently. Now, any good TV detective, and I do like watching TV detectives, will tell you if the witnesses to a crime tell their story exactly the same, then you shouldn't trust it. (laughs) So actually, I think this validates the story more. It's something that actually really happened because people are remembering and reporting it slightly differently. And here's the thing, none of the things I just said should throw you off because both the books of Mark and Luke, who mention only one beggar rather than two, don't say there's only one beggar there. They actually just focus on one beggar. Look at the wording carefully. It doesn't actually seem to be saying there couldn't have been another silent beggar Um, or calling out loudly as well, but they focus on the one. And of course, when Mark names the one blind beggar, well, you know, actually when Mark wrote the gospel, Bartimaeus may have actually been quite a notorious character around. People know, oh, that son of Timaeus who received his sight, you know him who got his miracle. You know, so he's just making the point. It's him, the one you've heard about. Another interesting thing, and I thought this was just so good, I had to include it. And this is not my sermon, this is just the intro. Um, The other really interesting thing, I think, is that apparently in Jesus' time, there were two towns called Jericho. There was old Jericho and new Jericho, like old Swindon, old town Swindon, and Swindon, what we call Swindon. So you can leave old town Swindon and come into Swindon. (laughs) You can be in both leaving and arriving in Swindon. And this is likely what Jesus was doing. He could have been right between the two. He could have been both leaving old Jericho and drawing near to new Jericho or vice versa. So I just want to lay that there because there are people who will use these things in negative ways. Inconsistencies in Bible stories make for really interesting research. I really enjoyed that. But I think they also validate the miracles and they should never be used as doubt, as reason for doubt of Jesus, that's for sure. Okay, right, let's look at the actual teaching points for today. I think there are four big teaching points that jumped out at me, and so that's where I'll be taking us, and I'm going to give you a little preview, okay? These are the four points. Don't be afraid to beg. Call out in faith. Choose to believe. Tell Jesus exactly what you want. Okay, let's get into it. The blind man is described as a beggar. So he is poor and he is in need. He is described as sitting by the roadside, which is a thoroughfare. It's a place where lots of people will be passing by in order to get his needs met, because you're most likely to get the most from begging if you're amongst the most amount of people, because you're going to get a lot of rejection, but you'll get some people who will um, give to you. And I was thinking about our current society, and especially here in Malmesbury, You see, we don't see many beggars here in Malmesbury, but we pop off to Bristol or Bath, maybe even Chippenham, and we may see a few, but we still don't see that many. Um, And most of us 
In fact, I reckon all of us, but I'm just going to put it out there, would avoid at all costs ever begging for anything in our lives. Well, if he doesn't want to help me, I'm not going to beg him. I'm not going to beg him for it. This is because even the poorest amongst us here have our most basic needs met. And I think we might feel differently about begging if we had a real, real need. But here's my observation, that we don't only shy away from begging, but we actually even retreat from asking. We retreat from asking others for help. I do it. I'm not blaming you. I do it all the time. I don't like asking for help. And maybe it's because we're worried that our asking might come across as begging, especially if we ask repeatedly. I hate asking repeatedly. I hate having to come back and ask again, especially if I didn't get like an actual committed answer one way or another the first time round. <laughs> so we struggle on with our difficulties just because asking for help is actually really scary. So I was thinking about this. What's the root that prevents us from begging and asking, even just asking? I think it's pride. I'm going to be honest. Um, I actually really think it's pride. And if we're really honest and we dig down inside, we'll probably ad admit that ourselves. But certainly for me it is. It's a self-sufficient attitude that says, I don't need help from anyone else. I'll figure it out. We'll work it out. Come on, I can do this. Um, I, I once put a floor down in my um, shed. We had a very big shed back in Welling Garden City, humongous. It was once a garage. Um, and I was fed up of the uneven ground on the inside because it had all just kind of done away, you know, over the years. So I learnt how to mix concrete. <laughs> and I poured concrete. It wasn't very good. I'm not going to lie to you. I really should have got someone who knew what they were doing to do it. Um, but I didn't ask Mark. The point is Lydia Faithful did this, not Mark Faithful. And this is because... I could see I wasn't going to get... I may have asked him once, and he didn't look like he was ever going to do it. So I didn't beg. I didn't go back and ask again. I just learnt. I got the stuff. I made it happen. I thought, I'm the daughter of a builder. I should be able to do this. And I threw concrete in there and made it happen. And although it wasn't ideal, it lasted us the rest of the time we were there and um, meant that I wasn't kind of falling every time I walked within the shed. What's my point? Um, <laughs> it's pride. It's a self-sufficient attitude that says, I don't need help from anyone else. It's a self-protective covering in case someone rejects us or refuses the help that we actually need. And that is important because we don't want to feel that rejection. Therefore, here's the problem. When we come to God, we have the same attitude about begging. And maybe, okay, we do actually ask God for help, but then we won't beg. We won't go back. I've asked God once. He knows my need. I'm not going to beg. He knows. He does know. But Jesus told parables, like the one at the beginning of Luke chapter 18, about the persistent widow, to show that repeated asking gets answers, gets a result, gets a response. In fact, our English language does not have a word to identify a continuous act, I don't think. But this famous verse from Matthew 7, verse 7 to 8 says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. You've all heard it. You may have sung it. But it would be more accurately translated as ask and keep on asking. Seek 
and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. That sounds like begging to me. So teaching point number one is don't be afraid to beg, especially from God. Now, the blind man would have known there's no point in begging from a person as poor or poorer than yourself, right? There is just no point. What good is that going to do? So in this encounter, he's demonstrating that he knew that Jesus could help him. Luke 18, verse 37, 38 says, They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, and he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, this son of David that he calls him is an identifying phrase. He knows that Jesus is the promised Messiah. That's what he's showing by calling him son of David. David, the one who is spoken about in the Old Testament prophecies, like, for example, Isaiah 35, 4 to 5, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. I'm sure that man treasured that scripture. He would have heard this scripture. It could have been heard within the temples, within, um, within the synagogues. So, influential preacher from the 19th century called Charles Spurgeon, and actually the next section of what I say has been very influenced by his message on this, said this. He said, where did the man get his faith from? Certainly, it's not from what he saw. Jesus had performed many miracles, as we know and we've been hearing about through all the other chapters of Luke, for people to see. There was evidence. You could see that Jesus was who he said he was and who he, well, he actually didn't say he was, who he was. (laughs) Yet the blind man could only have known about these through the testimony of others. You see, he sat on a busy roadside. He would have heard passers-by talking about Jesus. Um, Spurgeon suggests he may have got up and started asking questions. What did he do? What did he healed a blind man? Wait, what? (laughs) Because he would have heard about Jesus and, and the power that he could hear about. You see, the blind man can only have known about Jesus through hearsay, through stories told by others through testimonies of those who witnessed Jesus' miracles, just like us, just exactly like us. See, we preach and we read scripture and we offer opportunity for others to bring personal testimony in church on a Sunday so that you get to hear what Jesus has done. So the man believed simply through what he heard about Jesus. That's it. What about you? Have you heard about Jesus and put your faith in him? Or are you waiting to see something? I thought it was really interesting this morning, just on um, TBN, which I have on, uh, in the background when I leave the house. I like to leave Christian TV on for my dogs. Um, <laughs> not even kidding you. This is what I do. Um, <laughs> Feels like a safe choice. Um, (laughs) And um, I had TBN on this morning. It's kind of a nice background sound anyway to the morning. And um, somebody said, oh, it was that lovely Pastor Joy, who, if you've ever seen him, he is joy. He is joy in compass. He's just this big smile. Good day to you. And he's got this big smile. And he said... Um, he kept quoting right through Genesis. And God said, 
and then he saw. God said, let there be light, and then he saw. God said this, and then he saw. That's the way God created the world. He started with saying and then seeing. We all try and do it the other way around. We'll see it and then we'll say it. And it just caught me this morning, so it's not again in my notes, but I just thought I'd share with you. God said, and then he saw. And we are created in his image. We can say before we see. Say what you see, say what you see. No, say before you see, say before you see. Romans 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. You know, the greatest power in this story about the blind man's healing is not found in the healing miracle. And I kind of think that's why I had to start where I started earlier. It's not found in the healing miracle. It's found in the believing miracle. Today's story is about a man who had no money, no sight, and yet he was richer than the rest of us because of his faith. And he could see better than most of us. Luke 18, verse 36 to 37 says, And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. You see, the blind man uses his working senses. He doesn't just sit there and go, well, I can't see, that's the end of me. He uses his working senses to learn that the man he has heard about, that Jesus, is passing by. And he calls out to Jesus in faith. Luke 18, 38 says, And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So my second teaching point is, call out in faith. If you have a need, if you have a desire, call out. Don't be afraid to beg and call out in faith. Choosing to believe is more powerful than we realize. And when I was writing this, I had a real stirring in my spirit. So I'm sorry I'm going to have to read it because this was like days ago. Um, But I had a stirring in my spirit, a prophetic word for somebody listening to this message today, probably several people. You see, you've heard stories about Jesus and they've ignited hope in your heart. But you've also got the world and mockers screaming in your other ear and your faith is like it's on a bungee because you stretch it out towards Jesus and then you pull it back fast worried about what might happen worried it might not be true or real and I might look silly and I'm overthinking it and falling into old patterns and God wants you to know that this yo-yo Christianity will get you nowhere because you'll just be bouncing back and forth on the spot. You're not getting anywhere. You're staying the same, in the same place. Nothing changes. And right now, you're feeling bruised from all the knocks you get bouncing about like this. If you actually think about someone on the end of a bungee <laughs> bouncing about, there'll be some bruising. And that's why the Bible does not describe faith as a bungee cord. Not that it existed, but it isn't even put in that similar way. Faith is described as an anchor which holds you still. Hebrews 6 verse 19 says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. The only way to activate your faith from just hearing what you've heard is to decide to believe. And I promise you, I can't see another way. Unless anyone has one, feel free to share at the end because there isn't another way. You have to make a decision. It's a decision that happens that holds you in place. It's a decision to take your anchor and plant it in the rock 
That is God. God is my rock, I will never be shaken. The struggle you feel is centuries old. But you can't dangle there forever. You get to, though. This is the thing. I love phrasing being right, okay? Not you have to. You get to choose to believe. You get to decide to believe. Just like the father who met Jesus in Mark 9, 23 to 24, Jesus said... All things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help me in my unbelief. I love that because that's the truth of it. For most of us, most of my life is, I believe, help me in my unbelief. I believe, help me in my unbelief. And it literally happens through like seconds that goes round and round. It's okay. So let's all say it together if you, if you want to. I believe, help me in my unbelief. You ready? I believe. Help me in my unbelief. It's so powerful to just say that to God. It's okay to say that. And then, you see, here's the key. It's no good just saying it, but you say it first and then you see it. Remember what I said earlier? I've just seen it come together. Thank you, Jesus. I love how he edits on the fly. Um, So say it and then see it. So you say it. I believe. Help me in my unbelief. And then you see it. Then you see it. Because then you start living like the choice is made. If you want to get off this bungee, you have to be unmovable on this issue. You have to not pull it back anymore. You have to say, I am set on this choice. I am standing on this rock. My anchor is in this rock. I'm going to dig in to the word of God and... And you don't have to... I don't mean read scripture for hours and hours and hours. That doesn't often help many people in this moment. What you need is to just trust a scripture. Find the scripture you need and trust it and read that over and over again. Put it on um, a post-it note, on your mirror or on your fridge, wherever you need it, okay? Um, And um, so that you see it over and over again. You dig into it, you think about it, you turn it over in your head. And then... I want you to listen to worship music. I think too many people leave out the worship bit. And, you know, if you allow worship music, this is why I put TBN on or you'll hear me talk about Premier Christian Radio because I can't be bothered to choose, if I'm honest. I'd rather they just choose for me. Go on, just deliver it at me. Um, And so I'll give you a tip. Around 12 o'clock every day on TBN, there's a worship set. There's praise and worship. Um, On Premier... Radio, which one is it? Um, it's Premier Praise. It's called Premier Praise. Just Google, you know, you can hear it probably through your laptop, okay? But listen to worship and praise music because as that comes in, it washes out all the rubbish. It quietens the crowd that are telling you to shush and stop calling out to Jesus. So decide to, oops, decide to attach yourself to the anchor. And God showed me again, an anchor can be securely held. It's right in place, but you know, the boat has to be tethered to remain in place. I think a lot of us put an anchor in and then start drifting. Yeah, you can't, both ends have to be tied. Oh dear. So that way, no matter how choppy the waters get, A properly tethered, anchored boat then will not drift away. But I think that's another word for someone. You put your anchor in and then you went, oh, I'm anchored. Oh, hang on. (laughs) Oh, dear. So 
My third teaching point is choose to believe no matter what you can or can't see or feel. And that honestly is the testimony of my life. Okay. So, like the blind man, cry out, even from within the fear that tries to squash your belief. And there's a song that we often sing in the church. I'm not actually sure what it's called, but the lyric goes, I'll raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. Oh, it's called raise a hallelujah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so cry out. Drown out that unbelief with your own voice. And that's why praise and worship is so useful. Because if you cut out praise and worship, all you have left is kind of a quiet time with God. But actually you put praise and worship in, you've got, I'm drowning out that nonsense that's coming at me. Okay, drowning out that unbelief. Please notice as well that the blind man was not received when he first cried out. And I think this is where we get to the begging again. Okay, Luke 18, 38 to 39, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David again, have mercy on me. Now, Charles Spurgeon, who I mentioned earlier, points out that for the blind man, unbelief would have said, he passes by, there's no bearing for you. He passes by, there's no hope of mercy. He's about to leave and he takes no notice of you. But the blind beggar refused to let his opportunity pass him by. He held on, and he chose to believe, and he called out again. And there's another song. It's a Bethel song. I don't know if we sing this, but I love the song, and it's on our um, opening and closing music that goes on in the background there, so you can listen out for it later if you like. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. It's being secure in what you know and you've chosen to believe. The blind man would not give up or shut up, and he was not willing to be passed over. Now, 20th century theologian William Barclay points out this. There is a difference. I thought this is fascinating. There's a difference in the ancient Greek words used to describe the actions of the blind man in verse 38 and then again in verse 39. So in our versions, it is written exactly the same but it actually shows the blind man's great desperation. Verse 38, it says, cried out, which is an ordinary loud shout to attract attention. Verse 39 has been translated in our, in our scriptures that we read these days, cried out all the more. The instinctive cry of ungovernable emotion, a scream or an almost animal cry. I don't know how desperate you've ever been. I have been that desperate. I have released that sound. <laughs> I have been that desperate. Not for myself. Just as you know, this was for a different thing. Um, and that guttural desperation. This is the sound that came out of the man the second time. This is the beggar crying out louder than his unbelief. This is the beggar getting heard, not taking no for an answer, grabbing his opportunity with both hands and holding on to his faith, no matter what you say. I am not going to listen to the pushback from the surrounding people. He did not retreat. Those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. He did not retreat. 
He cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. I'm so nice for the sound team. I could have gone for it there and I didn't. (laughs) I really thought about it. (laughs) Have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. He, that man, reached harder, louder, stronger, and showed his need on his sleeve. He begged. He released the guttural sound of a beggar who knew Jesus was the only one who could help him. And Jesus stopped. Remember, this is Jesus on his way to Jerusalem to do something very significant for all of us, okay? This is what Jesus was doing. Jesus was not being stopped. Nothing would derail him. I think it may have been last week or the week before that somebody actually said that, that we've heard that in a preach recently. Nothing will stop Jesus. Nothing will turn his face away. He set his face like flint towards Jerusalem and nothing was going to stop him. And yet, Jesus paused because this man cried out in faith. I hope you're getting what a cry of faith can do. Luke 18, 40 to 41, and when he came near, so the man draws near to Jesus, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, let me recover my sight. The man has an obvious need. But Jesus didn't just go, I've got no time. I've got to be in Jerusalem. (laughs) Be healed. He stops and he asks the man to say what he wants. And he doesn't just assume it. So many times as well, when we pray, especially about ourselves, and that's why I really, really encourage you to get others to pray for you, because it helps a bit (laughs) um, sometimes, because we fudge it. We waffle around what we really want. We're afraid of disappointment. So we don't fully go out there with, I just want a complete healing in my body. Thank you very much. (laughs) We kind of, you know, like, oh, bless me, Lord. We don't say what we really want. Because it's scary to put yourself out there and to say, God, Lord, I want this. But James 4 verse 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. I mean, come on, let's at least ask, okay? And let's ask and ask again and ask and keep on asking. By asking Jesus exactly what he wants, that man is continuing to put his faith out there. He is showing a faith-filled expectation of good. And by the way, that is the definition of the word hope. And you are sat here in a faith-filled expectation of good this morning. So what do you really want from God? because he asks that of each of us. What do you want me to do for you, says Jesus? Be specific in your answer. My fourth point is, tell Jesus exactly, specifically, what you want from him. So back to the the verse, Luke 18, 41 to 43. He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. He didn't fall down in the spirit. He didn't dance. He didn't um, have mud splashed in his eyes. (laughs) Nothing else happened except for just, yes, he said what he wanted. Jesus said, you have it. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. The blind man tells Jesus, he makes his request. 
and places Jesus Lord above it all because he calls him Jesus Lord. He calls him Lord. I want to recover my sight. And after receiving his miracle, the man didn't just go on his way and go and get, you know, now I can make a living, now I can see, maybe I could become a carpenter. He didn't do that. He followed Jesus. He followed Jesus' way all the way to the cross. He followed Jesus, glorifying God. That's where Jesus was going next. He's on his way to Jerusalem. So there's a lot to learn from this man's attitude. Look at the words he first called out. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, he asks for mercy, not a miracle. He doesn't come with an attitude of God owes me something. Look at all these years I've been blind and now I'm owed something. This is not okay. He's not self-righteous. Rather, he shows an attitude of I am nothing. I deserve nothing, but I hope for kindness. So he is really humble, but he's also determined. And I think people think they have to be one or the other, but you can be both. You can be humble. I don't really deserve this, but I really want it. And desperate for Jesus. How desperate are you for Jesus? I want you to think that for a moment. Even though I'm coming to a close, I want you to think, how desperate am I for Jesus? Desperation's good. Desperation's fine. Desperation's not bad. Have we become complacent in our prayers? You know, I'll take that. I won't ask for this. I'll just take that. Your faith has made you well, Jesus said. Faith was shown through every part of this man's encounter. Faith to recognize who Jesus is. Faith to call out for mercy. Faith to cry out again despite a pushback from others. Faith to declare who Jesus is to him, Lord. Faith to ask for what he wants. Faith to receive. Faith to follow Jesus onwards towards the cross. And maybe today you have a need, or maybe today you've heard the stories of Jesus and you just want to follow him. You want to talk to him or follow him for yourself. Well, I'm not going to do one of those prayers I get you all to pray along with today. I'm just going to give you my four tips again. Here they are. Don't be afraid to beg. Call out in faith. Choose to believe. Anchor it. That's it. There's no more messing around. Tell Jesus exactly, specifically what you want. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that these scriptures and these stories each illustrate things for us so that we can grow and learn more about you. I thank you that when we read scripture in church, it goes out and it produces fruit, Lord God, because it is by hearing that we learn more about you and we grow in you, just like that blind man did, that we grow in faith because of what we hear. So Father, I pray for those, especially those who feel like they keep stretching out their faith and then pulling it back. Lord, I pray this morning that you will help them set themselves in place, anchored to you, God the rock, that they will never be shaken no matter what happens. Lord, that their boat will be tethered to the anchor and the anchor will be in the rock. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus that you say it's okay to ask and it's okay to beg, to ask and keep on asking, that you want us to call out in faith, that we can choose to believe, we get to choose, and that actually we can tell you exactly what we want.
Help us, Lord, to be more courageous, just like the blind man. And if it requires a guttural scream, then give us the courage to let out our passions as they are. Lord, we want to be more desperate for you. We want to be more filled by you. We want to know you in our everyday lives and see your hand move in every area. Lord, we submit to you again this morning. We say, fill us with your spirit. Guide us, hold us, and heal us. Amen.